Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. Yep, you heard it right. Name change in full effect. I am so excited to bring you this episode to be back in the groove. I've got some incredible episodes in my vault. That sounds dirty, but that's just my goddamn brain. Okay, get it together. I have some amazing episodes I can't wait for you to listen to. And we are going to kick off, you know, the next few weeks of interviews with some incredible women, starting with Santa Victoria. If you have never heard of Santa, you're in for a real treat. The, um, The best thing about this interview, in my opinion, is two things. Santa's authenticity and then the way she doesn't gatekeep information. Santa is really open about all of the things that she's done in her career, all of the little, you know, relationship building moves she's made, areas where she's fumbled, um, big jumps, how she had a real sense of self-awareness from a young age. And yeah, just a lot of aha moments as she's still continuing to build her career and how she already built such an incredible sales career before she pivoted and became a coach really focused on sales and helping others make more money. I was really excited to chat with her because um, she attended a networking meeting with the networking group I used to run. And she was all about sales. And I was like, I have to introduce you to Jen Gittimer. And she was like, I'm sorry, what? And in that moment, she, I just loved how her mind was blown that I had a connection with Jen, who actually founded that networking group. And one of the things she talks about is how I connected her with people and thought about that right away. And if there's anything that you can take from this episode, I mean, there's so many things you can take from this episode. But connecting people with resources and offering to help folks out of the gate is going to be one of the best ways that you can build relationships. Being of service to people will always win. And you can hear that that truck in the background is not of service to me. Anyway, being of service to people is one of the best ways that you can build authentic relationships and grow. And I have been practicing that, that that mindset for so long that it just kind of naturally pours out of me. And I'm not to not saying this to be like, yeah, I'm so fucking great. But it's just (laughs) to say that I love having conversations with people about how I can help them and resources that I can send their way. And I think when you flex that muscle, the relationships that you're building just become so much stronger, more authentic, and you get support as well um, in ways that you wouldn't have even fathomed. And so I really appreciate Santa's openness and willingness to come and have these conversations um, and just dive into all of this and and showcase her journey and her story. If you want to work with Santa, all of the information for her is in the show notes in the description of this episode. Um, And then she is also on social media. So you can go and check her out. Her reels and her social media is so great. Um, So I hope you enjoy this lovely, lovely episode with Santa. Santa, welcome. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Christina. I'm super excited to be here as well. I'm so thrilled to be talking to you today. And where are you located right now? Because it looks really pretty. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I am in my apartment here in Luxembourg City. So fun fact, Luxembourg is not a part of the UK or Germany or Belgium. It's actually its own country. And the reason I say that is because whenever I tell people I'm in Luxembourg City, they say, oh my God, I love that region of the UK. And they say it with so much conviction. <laughs> so, <laughs> I always have to, I, so I realize not many people know where it is, but it's its own country sandwiched between France, Germany, and Belgium. I love it. And I love that um, 
personally for me in the show, we are international, honey. We are branching <laughs> out. <laughs> um, it's so lovely that you, you know, you've made this time to chat and I really appreciate you, you know, doing this today. Um, you and I met through networking, which is a common way of, you know, how I've been finding guests for this show. It's just so wonderful to build community and really put yourself out there. Um, and I really wanted to learn more about you because I know you do sales coaching and mindset coaching, and um, I really wanted to learn how you got there. So before you became a sales coach and, and a mindset coach, like what is your journey? Where are you from originally? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So how far back do we want to go? How as much far time as do you, you want to go. <laughs> Okay, great. Cause I'm a salesperson. I can talk all day. Um, but where I'll start, I'll start in Sacramento, California, which is actually where I was born, but it's where I spent most of my life. I didn't yeah. know you were from California. I'm from I'm California. From, no way. Where are you mm-hmm. from? LA. LA. Oh my gosh. It's like also two separate countries a little bit. 100%. Like, <laughs> I'm so happy that we could be friends because if we met yes. in California, we would have been be like NorCal. So, so dumb. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but since we met in New York, because I was in New York when we met, we we're like, oh, besties. We're <laughs> but anyway, you're from Sacramento. Yes. yes, I'm from Sacramento. And I spent most of my life there until college. So I never lived anywhere else except for a brief stint when I was a child. It wasn't very impactful. Um, but I went to school to study persuasion and I don't know why I studied persuasion. It just felt like it was something that came naturally to me. Uh, I guess I practiced with my dad a lot or, you know, I begged him to buy me a Barbie or whatever. (laughs) Um, And then in addition to that, actually, I did do speech and debate in middle school and high school. And it was such a profound moment for me because um, I found my voice Before, I didn't really have a voice. My name is spelled like Santa. So you can imagine I got teased a lot on the schoolyard. Mm. I still do to this very moment, not on the schoolyard, but on the Zoom yard. And uh, I let it roll (sighs) off my back. (laughs) Like, it's fine. It's cool. Um, But when I was a kid, you know, that was really impactful. And it was kind of traumatic to just get teased all the time for my name. And when I went into speech and debate and I found my voice, it was such a breakthrough moment for me because I could finally clap back at all the bullies. I was like, really? You believe in Santa? We're 16 years old. I hate to break it too for you, but like Santa ain't real, you know? So I finally had the confidence to clap back. And so I really fell in love with speaking and communication and the breakthroughs that it can help you have internally. So I decided to pursue it even more in college. And I loved it. All of my persuasion classes, I aced. I can't say the same thing for math or science, but it's okay. I'm a salesperson, not a mathematician. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so that's, that's all where it started. And then I would say another impactful event was when I was in college, someone came up to me at a carousel and they're like, oh my gosh, you're such a, a and at a carousel because that's where I was working when I was in college. I oh, okay. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, so specific. Why in a carousel? Um, so I was at work and someone came up to me and said, oh my God, you're such a people person. You should come work with me. And turns out he worked at an MLM. I didn't stay there long-term and no shade to anyone who does MLM. So long mm-hmm. as they're ethical, in my opinion. Uh, and you can be the, the whole organization is not always ethical, but all of this to say what this organization introduced me to was self-development and self-help. And I remember they made me read this book and it blew my mind. And it's such a simple book and it's called the top 10 distinctions between millionaires and the middle class. And I feel like that book can be extended a little bit to include a little bit more of the lens of people of color and women. But what it did for me is it really opened me up to the possibility that I could be more than just this girl from Sacramento, California, who was working at a carousel, who wasn't really like doing much with her life, had no ambitions. It really opened me up to this ambition that I never had before. Um, and it really opened me up to the idea of coaching. And I was like, wow, this is someone's job to like tell people what to do and like hype them up. <laughs> like this sounds amazing. So it planted in the seed, a uh, seed in my mind to be a coach. So then, um, you know, fast forward 
And now I've done coach training. I was a salesperson in the corporate world where I took all the coaching that I received through books and through the sales training. And I was the first person to hit $1 million the first year without any formal experience, without any industry experience. And now I've taken all of that and I've turned it into a sales program for people mm. who are super excited to hit their stride in sales. Oh, I love this story so much. Oh. And I want to go back to, I have so many questions and so many details that I want to talk about in your story. So I love the moment that you described and you found your voice and um, that change for you, because um, you talked about your name and how that really impacted you. And um, you spent most of your life in one place and it, you know, I know that can shape so much of who you are. So when you're introduced to new experiences, that can mean so much. I know I've definitely been there. Um, so when you started finding your voice, obviously putting yourself out there in that way, where you're practicing speech, where you're um, in front of people and talking, you know, in a confident way, that seems fearful to so many people, including myself, when I, when I wasn't practicing that I practice it every week now, but when you first started that process, what did you have to step through in order to really push through that wall of fear? Oh my goodness. That is such a great question. Thank you for asking that. And before I answer it, what you just said made me have like a little breakthrough in my mind and made me realize <laughs> that maybe I was also confident because I felt like, oof, I know most people can't do this skill, but I can. What's up? Yeah, call me Santa. I don't care. I'm better than you. <laughs> Which like, okay, not I'm better than you, but I have the skill that most people don't. Um, mm. I think maybe that was a boost for my confidence as well. But um, for your question, what did I have to go through to get there? Um, I had to go through falling on my face and I'll give you a very clear example. I remember it like it was yesterday, my first speech and debate round, and we had to prepare. It was this, I forget what the form was called. I think it was like called parliamentary or something. And um, what we had to do is we had to research for these topics and we had to research both sides, pro and con. And I remember it was very clear the topic that um, I'm going to describe to you. It was called is Walmart harmful to society, pro or con? <laughs> and and wow. I remember we, I know such funny things that children who are 14 are debating. I mean, we had even crazier ones, like should North Korea sanctions be lifted? Like, pfft, I don't know. Um, that's quite a deep question I for a 13 year old to talk about. I know, but it, it really taught me to think in an expansive way. Um, but anyway, so for this first round, it was the one round that I did not research that well for. And I remember I was like a deer in headlights because I had the affirmative side and I was supposed to start the round of debate. And I was supposed to go up and talk about how Walmart is harmful for society. And I literally go up there and I step on the stage and I say, uh, 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 for a whole minute, like literally no words were coming to my brain. Oh my it, it was so intense embarrassing. And I learned from that moment, I am never walking into something unprepared again, because that was literally more embarrassing than being called Santa on the schoolyard by everyone, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I, that was one of the things I had to go through, but just falling on my face a lot, getting yeah. heckled, um, having what I say not be well received, but I feel very lucky in that. I think it was just one of those things where it was just natural to me. I was always a talkative person. My mother said I came out of the womb talking and you know, <laughs> that I was like in her belly talking as well. Um, so it just clicked right away. Of course there was a learning curve, but I don't think it was a learning curve for, you know, the people. And also I was pretty young. So maybe that it was like learning the language. My mm -hmm. brain had the capacity to learn the skill quite quickly. So I don't think I went as, as much as uh, through hardship as other people, which by the way, this is your clue. Now, if you have children, please put them in speech and debate. It's life-changing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's so great. And, and I think that there are so many lessons to be learned from what you just said, obviously the beauty of preparation, mm -hmm. and then also, um, putting yourself out to have, um, some sort of risk in your life, um, and embracing risk, like you were saying, and you weren't necessarily expecting that risk to turn out the way it did. Um, but it sounds 
sounds like through this journey, embracing risk, we know now that when you embrace risk and change, it literally changes your brain. And so I think that is very, you know, formative, especially at a young age to have those situations where you're in a a fearful moment and you push through it. I want to go to your carousel story um, of having someone come up to you and say, oh, you're very social or you're a very, you know, great people person come work for me. Um, I feel like that is very meaningful. I've had people on this show who've put themselves out there in ways where, you know, we had a photographer on the show who was working at a restaurant and she overheard people having a conversation about photography and she was trying to get herself out there. So she approached these people and talk to them and she ended up getting a job from it. So I've had people on the show who've had similar situations to you where people have come up to them, noticed greatness in them in various ways. I'm very curious how that impacted your confidence um, when someone came up to you and recognized you in this way. Did you feel more confident from that? How did that impact you? Oh, yeah. I guess thinking about it, it really did impact me it made me feel like the thing that I'm most proud of, which is my voice and which is my mind, which my voice communicates. It definitely made me feel like, yeah, I'm on the right track. This is the thing that I love to do. And being a people person, I guess, is an expression of those two things aligning. So it did feel really good. And I'm trying to think back to that tender age that I was, I think I was like 20 or something. And I can imagine that like, Yeah. So now that I'm thinking about it, maybe my confidence wasn't as high then. And it was because of some things that happened with my family that just like really hit my foundational um, confidence and made me feel bad. So having someone come up to me and say like, oh, you're such a people person. And if I can go on a little bit of an aside, I would also say that sometimes these organizations will bring in people who are feeling a little bit more vulnerable. And that's what I was feeling at that moment. I was feeling vulnerable, had some changes in my family that I was not expecting. And then all of a sudden someone's selling me an American dream. They told me I can make a hundred thousand dollars the first year which it did not happen. I I didn't make any money there. (laughs) But really, I was attracted to this organization because of the place that I was in. And then they used that confidence booster. And then they used um, everything else of like what I could get through their company to draw me in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would just say, if your confidence is ever low, be careful what people promise you, because people will promise you the moon in order to get you to work with their organization sometimes. Well, it's so true. And I think something that is really jumping out at me when you're saying this is the, the, um, the great need for everyone to practice their communication and their communication skills and having more practice in your life for confidence. Um, you know, everyone is going to be vulnerable in various situations, but there have been so many moments where, I've had people take advantage of my vulnerability and, and like mm-hmm. m- me being gullible or anything like that. So I think that's such great advice. And, and then you read this beautiful book that really changed your mindset. Um, and I love that you said, you know, it made me think beyond the scope of where I was in the world, you know, and like really reaching outside of Sacramento, um, And then you obviously moved into more career moves. So when you made your first big career move, what was that again? And and what happened in your life? Yeah, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Great, Christina, connecting the dots. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So after I had read that book, I kind of got hooked and I started reading more books. And I remember the first book I, I read after that was called how to persuade and influence people, which was a spinoff of Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. And I was just hooked after that. I was like, wow, the skill that I already have speaking, I can really refine it and I could use it to have such a delicious life. I'm a hundred percent on board. And then I did a little soul searching because I knew I was studying persuasion. I knew I loved to speak And I was like, what is it that I want to do with my life? Because I am coming to the end of college. um, Mm. It has not gone the way I expected, like, oof, such a transformative time. And um, I really did some soul searching and I made a list of all the things of my ideal job. 
So I knew that I wanted a flexible work schedule, which shout out to my old self for knowing that that was important to me. Um, and the other thing that I really knew was I wanted to travel and I wanted to get paid really, really well, not just like, you know, six figures, but six figures and beyond. So those were the lists that I made. And I started to think like, what are the things that I can do? Could I be a teacher? Could I be a lawyer? And the thing that came to me was to be a motivational speaker, which like, oh my gosh, yes, it has all of the characteristics that I want. I love to speak. Um, So it sounded absolutely perfect. It hit everything on my list. So what I did at that point is I went to some of my professors, the ones who taught me in persuasion. And I said, hey, I came up with this idea. I want to be a motivational speaker. How in the world can I do it? And obviously I did my research too. And I said, what you should do is you should go and get an internship. And if you can't find an internship, you should create one by asking someone for an informational interview. And then at the end, pitching yourself as free work. And so that's exactly what I did. I got, yeah. So um, I targeted a whole bunch of speakers in the San Francisco area, reached out to them, let them know what was up with me. And at the same time, I was building my personal brand on LinkedIn too. So I made sure that my LinkedIn was super aligned with what I was saying that, you know, I studied persuasion that I, I did some speaking already at that point. I did it. It's so cute to think about right now. And I I just really love uh, my passion when I was younger. I did an elementary school tour where I like went around elementary schools and I like spoke to them about bullying, which like, it just makes me so happy that that's how I spent my time as a young adult. It was was such a meaningful work and it warms my heart to know that that was the kind of work that I did. Um, But I, so I listed all of this on my LinkedIn to really show that I was serious about this type of work. And um, I started to work for this gentleman named Brian Rashad, super awesome. And it was such a pivotal moment for me. I interned with him in San Francisco. And during that internship, what I did is I helped him produce the podcast. Sometimes I was a host with him on the podcast. I did some administrative work for him, helped him do content, gave opening remarks for his um, converse, uh, for his talks. What else did I do? Um, you know, like did logistics for his talk. So I really learned the in and ins and outs of being an entrepreneur and like all the systems it takes to be an entrepreneur, relationship building, because a lot of his talks came from relationship building. I wasn't out there until later years when we had different functions of the business. I wasn't out there like developing sales. He was developing all the sales himself through relationships. And so I worked with him for one year. And then the craziest thing happened. He was like, hey, you know, I'm actually moving my business to New York because that's where most of my network is. And that's where I feel it's time for me to live now. Would you be open to having an internship with me again here in New York? And uh, I was going to be senior in college. I was like, heck, yes, this sounds amazing. I'll be there. So I did what I needed to do to uh, go live there, to get housing, to fly over there um, and was his intern. And that was absolutely mind blowing because not only was I reading a book that expanded my knowledge of what's possible, but I was meeting people who were actually applying these types of conversations. Like I was like rubbing elbows with millionaires. I had never met a millionaire before until I moved to New York. <laughs> and, and not to say that money is everything because I don't think that money is everything uh, is very important. But what I do think is like, to be exposed to different types of people. I had never been exposed Mm -hmm. to people producing that much business value. So I was just so blown away. And like people just walk on the street casually, like in in the wild (laughs) when they're in New York, like everyone is so successful, everyone and not successful. I will say ambitious. Yes, Um, definitely in New York. Ambitious and resourceful. And it really opened my mind even more of what was possible So then I moved um, the following year after I graduated because he had opened not only a speaking uh, part of his company, but a marketing and branding part of his company. So I helped him run that and built a team. Um, And then when that happened, I knew that I wanted a little bit more corporate experience because I was trying to book gigs and I could only book gigs through my boss And it's because I just didn't have enough corporate experience. And this is something that I run into a lot as someone who's known that I wanted to be a speaker. You know, I sometimes feel like, oh, no, people don't hire me because I'm too young or like I can only speak to colleges because you have to be a few steps further than the people that you speak to. So what am I going to offer a senior executive when I'm just Mm -hmm. entering the workforce? So I always kind of had that imposter syndrome. 
And um, to alleviate that, what I decided was I really want to get a corporate job. I can kind of hang my shingle on. I can learn more about companies because I wanted to speak to companies. Therefore, I should learn how they operate. And um, I decided to work for a recruiting firm. And um, so I worked for a recruiting firm. I became a salesperson there. I really put my head down, worked super hard, hit that milestone of 1 million my first year. And then the next year during COVID hit 1.5, even though losing wow. business. Yeah. And I had some personal tragedies go on that year too. So I'm quite proud of the work that I did. Yeah. Um, but it, it really all started with that guy at the carousel who I'm sorry for talking smack about MLMs, but thank you so much for coming up to me at the carousel and telling me I'm a people person. Well, yeah, I think this, um, thank you for describing all of this. And I think what really stands out to me is your mindfulness around sitting down and listing all of the things that you wanted in a career. I, think we all kind of have those moments, but to be so mindful throughout and really understand the flexibility of, of going for it in different ways and, and being super honest that you don't have all of the skill sets immediately. You know, you have some of them, but being open to the process of learning, it sounds like you were really open to that and really open to um, trying new things. When you were navigating this time and you then transitioned to this, you know, corporate role, when you started hitting these bigger sales, I'm sure that felt really great. Like how, how did that change your perspective in your career? Oh my goodness. It felt so great. And before I even go there, what I want to preface this with is um, when I first got this job, I was hired on with a gentleman who was already in sales for several years for a big organization and did really well. And I was coming on as a newbie and we were both newbies in the regard that we were new to the industry. But one thing that I can tell you that happened when we were getting trained, and he was a colleague, by the way, not a manager, a colleague, we're on the same team, same exact level. And I can tell you when we were getting trained, we were getting trained by a whole bunch of people throughout the organization. And one thing I noted when we were getting trained was that 90% of the eye contact was going to my colleague and only 10% was coming to me. And I was so cognizant of how unconsciously, or at least I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's unconscious, that my colleagues believed that he would do better because he was a man. And, you know, Santa, she's just here. She's lucky to be here. You know, again, I don't think this is conscious bias, but sexism is alive and well. So Mm -hmm. I know at least unconsciously it's present. And I remember feeling in those moments like, okay, that's fine. Underestimate me. You don't know who I am. And then when I hit those milestones, I was like, yeah, (laughs) you see who you underestimated. And I'll never forget the day where, uh, when we were brought on, me and this gentleman, and by the way, I don't see this gentleman as competition. I see this as competition against the patriarchy. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Got to tear that down. Um, But when we were on together, you know, I kind of was like marking myself against him because I'm like, oh, I'm going to overtake you soon. And of course he got sales first. He was in a good stride. And then there was one moment where I landed my first anchor account, which is a six figure account. They're paying at least a hundred thousand dollars over the year of working with us. And I landed my first one and he did not have one yet. And I remember just feeling so good and like, yes. And, uh, you know, I kind of have a complex too, that I've, I've worked through, through extensive therapy, Uh, you know, I've kind of had a complex that like people underestimate me or they think less of me because of my name and how I look and such. And so sometimes, you know, I allow my ego to drive me and be like, oh, I'm going to show these people. Um, So, you know, it was very stroking for my ego. Um, But one thing that people don't talk about with success a lot, and I didn't even talk about it in my last journey about how I got to this place, was the dark side of success or everything that you have to grieve in order to reach success. 
Um, because one thing that I could remember from that period, like, yes, it felt great. I loved having the recognition. I loved having the most money I'd ever had in my life. I was like, whoa, what do I do with all this money? Oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> it was just mind blowing to me. Um, but I lost a lot too. Like I lost friends um, at that point because I had become into a new person and I didn't really care about the same things that my friends did. Like I kind of felt at that point, like, God, people don't understand me like I talk to them about my business and like I feel like people can't hold this powerful side of me and it was like a very big turning point for me where I was like oh my gosh like actually I don't even know how to hold this powerful side of me I've always seen myself as like this really fun social light happy person but all of a sudden I'm developing this other part of my personality which is powerhouse businesswoman and like oh my God, I'm not sure how to hold it all. And my friends weren't either. And sometimes I just felt like kind of unrecognized by my friends. So there were like a lot of people that I cut off uh, during that time. And I really grieved it. Like there were moments where I just felt like so lonely and so sad because of the friendships that I had outgrown or the friendships in which we grew in different ways. Yeah. Um, oh my so yeah, gosh. No one um, ha- on this show has ever brought that up. That... Um, grief that comes with evolution and change and the loss of either full-on relationships or certain aspects of your relationships when you change in your career and in any aspect, but particularly when you're finding great success. Um, Thank you for sharing that because I think that's a really important thing to talk about because there is so um, much that we do around like the, that we're saying around the narrative of cheering each other on mm-hmm. and being like, go oh, girl, like, yes, businesswoman, you can do this. But there is this strange evolution that can happen when you are finding that success and when you are finding that change, whether it's within yourself and your you're maybe not aligning with your values or with others that are seeing change in you and may not align with that. I think that is such a beautiful thing to bring up. Have you been able to evolve from there and really like learn how to embrace and like really marry both of those um, sides of Santa? Yeah. Thank you for saying that and commiserating. I really appreciate it because it can feel lonely sometimes to like outgrow Um, you know, it's like a warm, comfy jacket that maybe it's not for you anymore. And it feels so tight and you let it go, but you're like, oh God, I love you so much. (laughs) Why do I have to let you go? I have so much grief, except it's not a jacket, it's human relationships. So it's a lot steeper. Um, But have I learned to integrate those two? I would say it's a work in progress. So I actually had like a little internal battle with myself. um, Once I started reaching the success and, you know, I decided that I was going to do both. And the way that I expressed that was like, I decided I was going to be like the girl who was showing up to all of the parties, like with all of her friends. And I was also going to be the person who was working until 10 p.m. in order to keep this 1.5 million going. And let me tell you, that was so (laughs) exhausting. Yeah. Um, So I burned out and I couldn't do it anymore. So I I did like look at myself and I was like, okay, how can I balance this? How can I be both the powerful and the fun girl? And one way that I've been looking to do that now is by being a little bit more fun in my power and and my powerful business approach and not seeing them as separate. And one very clear example that I've been trying to do is like make more fun reels or be more funny in business meetings or show up to the party and talk about business stuff. Like it doesn't have to be two separate things. It doesn't have to be oil and water. They can be together. And as I said, it's a work in progress. I'm sure I have a lot of blind spots and I'm not perfect at it yet, but it certainly feels a lot more integrated than before. Oh, yes. I think that's really beautiful and something that people need to hear. Um, because I'm going through that with not only business, but motherhood. And, you know, when you have a child, the relationships change so much and, you know, the ways in which you evolve change. And so that's definitely something that resonates very deeply for me, um, on the business and the personal side, for sure. I really want to talk to you about your evolution from 
you know, having this corporate job to where you are now. Um, but before we go there, what are some things that really helped you in your sales role um, to get to where you were in your accomplishments? Yeah. So I think, um, as I mentioned, I had about 10 years of speaking experience and I studied persuasion. So it certainly gave me a leg up. And when I coach people as well, because when I coach, I talk a lot about this accomplishment that I hit 1.5 in revenue, like, come on, come listen to me. I know what I'm talking about, but I'm always very honest and tell people, you know, I had 10 years of practice before, so I can't guarantee that as my client, you'll hit that type of mark as well. But what I can guarantee is I'll help you find your stride in sales. So I always like to be very honest about what I had going on before I hit that success, because one of my biggest criticisms of coaching is like people promise these really grand promises, but they don't tell you how they accomplished it. And a lot of times it's because they have like a really good connection or they're born with an obscene amount of privilege or they're super attractive. So of course they got, you know, so I always like to be very honest that um, I had a lot of work beforehand that set me up to have such a success. But what really helped me outside of just the experience was Every day I listen to motivational material and I listen not only to like motivational material, but strategic material, because I really think that's what makes someone successful is number one, the mindset that you have. And then number two, actually knowing what you're doing, because <laughs> you need to know how to walk people through the sales process. You can't just be super excited and hyped up and believe in, in yourself. You really need to have knowledge of the craft. So I was always listening to that type of material. In fact, I used to listen to the material of one girl that we both know mutually. She and her husband do great work. Um, and I listen to their podcasts all the time. Um, so that helped me. And another thing that I did daily when I was riding the subway from my apartment in Chinatown to my work in Midtown, I would listen or I would listen to motivational stuff. But then for the last five minutes, I would close my eyes and I would visualize me getting the million dollar reward. And I remember I would like visualize holding a reward, shaking the CEO's hand. And I visualize giving like a very thankful speech to all of my colleagues and to my boss who really supported me. Oh, and now that I say that, I think another thing that I did was I was so annoying <laughs> and meaning it. And what I mean by that was like, no question was too stupid for me to ask my boss or no question was too stupid for me to ask any of the managing directors or the recruiters. Like mm. I was just so relentlessly curious um, that, and I just went up to everyone. I was like, and there's even one point where, and I regret this part. I think I went a little too far, but I used to sell to HR managers and someone at the Christmas party, which is, I think maybe three days into my job. So I was very new. I was very hungry. And someone had brought their wife who was an HR manager. And I wasn't trying to sell to her, but I was like really picking her brain. And I was like kind of cornering her like, okay, would you respond better to an email or to a call? Okay. If I said this versus that, like, how would you respond? <laughs> oh, <no. You> know? <laughs> I went a little too far there, totally going over social cues. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that type of drive and curiosity is really what helped yeah. me to do well. And so sorry if I stepped on anyone's toes or caused them harm or inconvenience from my curiosity. <laughs> You're going to go get your drink because exactly. I was asking you if phone calls or emails are better. Exactly. Can you please look at my scripts and tell me what works and what doesn't work? But I've yeah. been there. I've been there. I mean, I have had such awkward moments where, because when you're hungry or when you're really desperate, like yeah. um, you want to either make a sale or know what's going to work. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Oh, <laughs> so when you're, you know, okay. So now you've, you've gone through this milestone at work in your career, and then you decide I'm going to coach people on this now. How did that evolve? How did that change? Oh my goodness. Another serendipitous moment. I swear it is crazy. But what happened was like, I always knew like, Hey, let me get my stride here. And then maybe after four or five years, I hadn't quite given myself a limit yet, but I was like, after some amount of time, I'll transition. I'll believe that I'm ready. I'll have enough connections and I'll be good to become a coach. And I think my first year inside of the corporate job, 
I went to a book signing for one of my favorite authors called You Are a Badass. It's by Jen Sincero. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read her book. She's amazing. I haven't and read she, it, but I have heard of it. Oh, it's so great. It will change your life. She's so awesome. And um, <laughs> there was a very serendipitous moment where I'm going to her book signing. And when I go there, I'm like, oh, I'm, here's my ticket. I'm here for the book signing. And the gentleman out the door says, oh, no, actually, like, you can't come in yet. You didn't buy the first part of this and we're all sold out. And so what, what it was, was there was a reading and then there was a book signing. And I guess I had only bought the ticket for the book signing. And I love Jensen Chero. So I wasn't just going to sit there and not go to her book reading, especially since I was there already. So, you know, I'm using my sales skills and I'm like, okay, mister, I understand where you're coming from. If you were in my situation, what would you do? A huge fan of Jensen Chero who just really wants to see her book reading. And he was like, um, well, what you can do is you can stand by. If some people don't show up, then you are welcome to come in. So thank goodness, no one shows, uh, some people don't show up and I'm able to come in. And I sit in the back and I'm listening to her book reading and it's so beautiful, I can cry. And um, then she tells some people, like, if you have questions, like, now's the time. So I raise my hand, she hands me the mic, and I say, Jen, like, I want to be just like you. I want to be a speaker. What can I do to be just like you? And she said, get your ass up on stage and speak. And she didn't mean, like, get my ass up on that stage, but just in general, go out and speak. And um, so I actually did, I went out and I did this whole project where I gave 15 talks within one year and it was great. But the reason why that was possible was because at that event, I was sitting next to a whole bunch of coaches and they heard my question and they came up to me afterwards and they were like, oh my God, like you want to be a speaker? You should check out our coaching program. And um, I did check out their coaching program and it trained me on how to be a coach and it gave me all the tools to be a coach. And I think, um, especially as women, we're very intuitive with teaching and with coaching, but it made such a difference for me to like actually learn the craft of coaching. And in my mind, I never thought of like coaching so much. Like I thought, okay, I'm going to be a speaker. Maybe I'll work with some people one-on-one. But what was really beautiful about getting introduced to coaching was that I could use coaching as my foundational experience as well as like my work experience. So I could build a book of business in which I have one-on-one clients and then I have speaking engagements. Yeah, and I never thought of doing coaching before. I thought I would just be a speaker and then maybe I work with some people one-on-one, but getting introduced to this coaching program, I realized, oh, I could actually flip the model. I could coach right now get some experience right now, and then it will give me things to speak on. And that's exactly what it did. So I did this coaching program for three years. I just stopped my last year of it. Totally transformational. Loved most of it. I did not love all of it because (laughs) transformation was hard. Um, So I went through that and there was just, there's another personal part too, to how I decided to do my business. And I'll tell you that right now. So after COVID, you know, I experienced some personal tragedy. It was just really hard. COVID is hard for everyone, even if we didn't experience personal tragedy during that point. And among all the personal tragedy, I met this guy called Pierre, who's my current partner, who I love with my whole heart. And um, I met him and he was in New York, just short term working there. And where he lived was Europe. He lived in Brussels at the time. And um, yeah, so we met, we fell in love. He was there for a few months and then he had to go back to Europe. And so I was at this crossroads of like, what do I do? I totally connected with this guy. I love him so much. It doesn't really seem viable to have a long distance relationship long-term. So we had a discussion and he said, well, don't you wanna be a speaker and a coach? Like, why don't you just start your business here in Europe and come live with me? And I was like, wait, what? Oh my God. Yeah. That's the best idea ever. Of course it was scary, but it was, I guess the universe's way of kind of putting a fire under my butt and saying, Hey girl, you've known you wanted to do this for five or six years. Here's the perfect opportunity. Why don't you take it? And after he proposed that it took us a few months to get everything for me to actually go to Europe to be with him because of COVID actually Americans weren't allowed to go to Europe at that point. So we had to go through some special procedure And then once that was finished, I told my boss, hey, my time here is over. 
I feel very confident in this decision. And I didn't tell them the real reason, which is I was moving abroad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that situation also uh, put a fire under my butt. This is so interesting to me because it does sound, I, I love that you went to this reading and you were very confident. Obviously your confidence really shines through during our conversation and your bravery as well. Um, and I think that comes from your curiosity and your willingness to practice, um, and learn. I love that you, um, cornered people at holiday parties oh and God. that you're very curious and that you are asking lots of questions because I do think as women, there's this, um, strange facade that we paint, that we need to know everything, um, or that asking questions is a sign of weakness or that not knowing something is a sign of weakness. So I love that you're actually saying, and I, a lot of people have said this on this show, it's a sign of strength and yeah. it's a sign that, you know, you're being open to change and evolution. I also, um, really enjoy your allyship with this author that you really built, um, and how this person made you feel confident in then going to ask her a question about your career and being confident in that way. Um, which brings me to, you know, my question I always ask everyone on this show is, um, who are some allies in your life that identify as women? Because one of the things you brought up to me before our conversation is you really wanted to talk about women and sisterhood and, um, so who are some of those people in your life? Because it seems like there has been this thread of moments of just communication with people who are allies, but, but who are those people in your life who identify as women? Oh my goodness. So many. And I'm so passionate about this topic because as I mentioned to you, I wanted to bring up what it meant to be a woman and what it meant for sisterhood. And I guess I'll start there very quickly before I actually name the women who have been instrumental to me. And I first wanted to say that I think I suffered a lot from what I'll call a woman wound, meaning mm. that being a woman, you know, we're told several messages that we should just be quiet. We shouldn't be powerful, that we're vulnerable to getting hurt. Um, you know, that we have to be kind, we have to be beautiful, we have to be, per we have to be perfect, we can't go into our career too hard, we can't go into motherhood too hard, but we can't win either way. Um, so, you know, I definitely received that a lot. And I think what was even more painful for me is I received the message of what it means to interact with other women, meaning that women are not friends, they're enemies, that they're mm. going to betray you, that their competition for other men's affection, that women are catty, that they're psychological wars. So I became super present to this when I first started getting coaching because I realized like, well, I haven't really owned my femininity because I think femininity is wrong because it has hurt me. And, you know, I've had a lot of situations in which I have been betrayed by women um, and all those things that I fear did come true. So I held in me this deep wound of like what it meant to be a woman and what it meant for sisterhood too. I didn't really think that sisterhood existed in an authentic way. And I worked through that with my coach and I worked through that with a therapist and I really like regained my femininity and really regained my sisterhood. And wow, when I tell you, like I deepen the relationship with some of my best friends from childhood and I created new soul sister relationships in New York City. And now that I'm here in Luxembourg, like I'm literally so excited to create some here. Um, but, you know, I just really wanted to shout out anyone who feels that way about being a woman, that it can be painful either to interact with other women or just to be a woman in this man's world, that you're not alone and it's possible to heal that wound. And with the women who have been there, who've been my allies, first of all, of course, my mother, I love her so much. I would be nothing <laughs> without my mom um, who has loved me through thick and thin, ugly and beautiful and doesn't rub it in my face. And then in the professional world, I would say um, there were a few managing directors in my company mm. who were women. And I think um, when I talked about my journey with my career, I talked about how I worked for a man and then I went to go work for this corporate company. And I think deep down, I also felt a little need of working with a woman because I think I became a little aware that people weren't receiving me the same way as my boss because I was not a white man. 
<laughs> so I realized I think I need to go work where there are more women. I, I don't think I can work with, you know, someone who doesn't have the same graph demographic as me and isn't being treated the same way in the world. Like I need to go work with other women as well. So I think I knew that inherently. So there were some amazing women at this job who literally my success would not have been possible without them. If anyone knows the company, I'm going to shout out the VP of operations. She's amazing. The managing director of accounting and finance coached me through so much and like walked me over that $1 million mark. Um, and yeah, I, I really could just go on and on and on about all the women. And I would say we haven't known each other that long, but I just really, really appreciate your commitment to uplifting the voices of women. And like from the first moment that I met you, you're like, I have to connect you to this person. I have to connect you to this person. I have to connect you to this person. <laughs> and I can just really sense your desire to uplift women. So thank you so much for being that. Oh, no, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate you saying that. And I really love all of the, the people that you've mentioned. It's, it's such a beautiful testament to, you know, the relationships that we build can change our lives and our trajectories and our careers. And I also love that you spoke about that um, wound around the feminine and um you know, being a woman and femininity and how, you know, there is this conflicting message around all of this too. Um, so I, I really appreciate you mentioning that because it's come up on this show before. Absolutely. You don't always have allies or, or it's painted in this way that we can't be allies in, in all of these aspects of our lives. So I really appreciate that. Um, and I think it's very evident in your work that you've had a lot of people helping you along the way and coaching you and uplifting your, your journey. I can't believe we're at our hour. Um, but if people want to work with you, where can they find you? If they want to, first of all, how, how can people work with you? What do you do with folks? And then where can they find you? Yes. Yeah, so first, what do I do with folks? So I work primarily with women to help them have financial freedom through more sales. And we do this both life and sales coaching, because as I mentioned before, you know, you can have these business breakthroughs, but they don't really mean much unless you have a very well-rounded life. So I work with people both on the sales and life aspect so that their business is super fulfilling and a supporting mechanism for their life rather than their entire life. So that's what I do. And I do that one-on-one -on -one. and I have a really fleshed out program where you're going to get some jam-packed wisdom. So happy to speak to anyone who's interested in that. And um, how you can find me is primarily on Instagram. My handle is at Santa Victorio, S-A-N-T-A-V-I-C-T-O-R-I-O, -A -A like Victoria with an O at the end. And um, LinkedIn as well, same name and Facebook. We'd love to connect there. Beautiful. We'll link everything in the show notes and please, please go work with Santa. She's so phenomenal. And, um, Santa, I just can't thank you enough for being on the show. It's just been so lovely to connect with you and hear your journey. And thank you for all of your moments of vulnerability and, um, yeah, just, just sharing this time with me today. It's been so lovely. Thank you so much. And thank you for being magic in the world and holding the space for one Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you're the best. Um, for those of you who listen to our show, um, please remember your voice matters and your story matters. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Amplify Her podcast. The Amplify Her podcast is part of the Amplify Her Media Network. You can check out more shows on the Amplify Her Media Network over on Instagram at Amplify Her Media. See you next time.